Here we go. You're listening to Rumination Tuesday Law and Gospel on this first day of February in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. With me is Mark Smith as we're going to take a look at a hymn. And today's hymn is Hail to the Lord's Anointed. And we'll play a part of it. That hymn, Hail to the Lord's Anointed, was written by James Montgomery, born 1771, died 1854. He actually wrote it for a Moravian congregation in Yorkshire for Christmas in 1821. While commonly edited to four stanzas, the original hymn actually contains eight stanzas and we're going to be taking a look at five stanzas this hymn is the hymn of the day for epiphany and it is based on psalm 72 1 to 7. this occasion when he wrote it invests the opening lines with a deeper resonance confessing the christ child to be the lord's anointed and this day to be the time appointed for his reign on earth began. By 1822, Montgomery had set this hymn within the context of Christian missions, emphasizing its expansive vision of Christ's reign on earth. He had sent it to a missionary and in the South Seas, and recited it at a missionary meeting in Liverpool. And so we're going to be taking a look at this hymn, Hail to the Lord's Anointed. What's your thinking of it, Pastor Mark Smith? 
Well, you know, Tom, this is not a real familiar hymn to me, but I like it. Uh, I like hearing the melody. I did not choose this uh, to open with this Sunday, but um, I'm certainly open to using it some other time. It's, uh, you know, what I like about it, it's it's a definitely a, an epiphany hymn. It gives reference to the uh, to the wise men uh, bringing gold, incense, and myrrh, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, well, we'll take a look at it then. Okay. So why don't you begin with uh, stanza one of the five stanzas, please. Right. Hail to the Lord's anointed, great David's greater son. Hail in the time appointed, his reign on earth begun. He comes to break oppression, to set the captive free, to take away transgression and rule in equity. Yes, the word uh, anointed one in the Hebrew is really the word for Messiah, and in the Greek, it's the word for Christ. Right, Christos. Yes, well said. And great David's greater son. Now, wait a minute. I thought Jesus lived before David. How could he be David's greater son? Well, he was a, he was a descendant of David. You're talking Jesus about was, Jesus was the son of David. He was a he was a descendant of of David, born in Bethlehem, just as uh, David, King David, was from Bethlehem. Yes, in fact, in Revelation it talks about in chapter five that Jesus is of the house of David of the tribe, of course, of Judah. And therefore, they really wondered about him. The Pharisees had an argument with him. How could he be before David, even though he was the son of David? But we're talking about in his incarnation, right. he was in that line. That's right. And of course, he Our, appeared in the Old Testament. Our Lord Jesus, the pre-incarnate, Lord appeared way back in the Old Testament a number of times. Yes. In fact, the first three verses talks about Jesus who created the light. Yeah. According to John, all things were created by Jesus. Yeah. And hail in the time appointed, his reign on earth began. Now, he reigned on earth even before that, but we're talking about in his humanity. Yes. Well, I think they call it the Messianic Age, yes. which which even includes in even includes the whole New Testament, including our time right now. He is he is still reigning. Yes, especially since he's ascended into heaven again. Right. The the big things we remember are his incarnation, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension. Right. And in his ascension. He's making use of all his divine powers, even in his human state. He knows yes. all things. He is everywhere. He is all-powerful. Yeah, we call that the uh, state of exaltation. Well said, from Philippians. Now, where does this come from? He comes to break oppression, set the captive free. Well, um... 
you know, when he we came to earth, you know, he starts casting out demons right and left. We hear about this. We heard about it in last Sunday's lesson. We hear it more. We hear more about it. Uh, I think in this Sunday's gospel too. Uh, you know, Satan is Satan is running for cover. I'll tell you, Christ is here and uh, he is casting out demons. Uh, he's invading uh, Satan's domain, and that's why that's why Satan is so you know throws everything at him. Uh, he, he doesn't Actually, want his. In his sermon at Nazareth, he quotes from Isaiah, and that's where it says he's come to break oppression to Satan set the captive free. Now, what I noticed about that, nobody understood what he was saying. They were thinking he was talking about a temporal setting free from the Romans. Uh, getting rid of the Romans. Free that, yes, take, that's right. Oh, sorry. Yeah, everybody, everybody thought he would come, the Messiah, when he comes, he'll get rid of these hated Romans. Uh, but uh, he he was talking about far worse enemies: sin, Satan, and uh, eternal death. And to take away transgression, right. how's he going to do that? By his uh, suffering and death on the cross. Yes, he paid for our sins. It now, is finished. that last line. I I'm not sure what it means. And rule in equity. Yeah, equity, the word equity's got kind of a bad rap these days, you know. Uh, it's been used politically lately, and uh, it's not everybody's favorite word. But there was a time when equity, <laughs> you know, equity is what you earn when you buy a home, which is a positive thing. But uh, when it says he rule in equity, in other words, you know, he would have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He died for all, everybody, including the unborn. Um, he would have all men be saved. So we're talking about both Jew and Gentile. Right. And so equity means there is not a difference. For example, in some reform circles, they believe in double predestination. What's that? Oh, that's the that's the the wrong concept that uh, Christ uh, predestined some to heaven, and He predestined others to hell. We don't believe that. That's not scriptural. That would be against equity, right? Okay. Sure would be. I'll do two. He comes with rescue speedy to those who suffer wrong, to help the poor and needy and bid the weak be strong, to give them songs for sighing, their darkness turn to light, whose souls condemned and dying were precious in his sight. Now, explain to give them songs for sighing. How would you understand that? Yeah, that's... Uh... That's kind of a new idea to me, to give them songs for sighing. I guess, uh, well, instead of, remember when Paul and I think it was Silas, they were uh, imprisoned at Philippi? Yes. And uh, in, instead, of, instead of weeping and wailing about their chains, they sang hymns all through the night and, and amazed all the other prisoners, including also the jailer, uh, so that's what he he gives us songs 
to to lift our spirits. I mean, music and Luther. Remember how Luther thought so highly of music that it uh, it lifts our spirits, especially when it conveys gospel promises. Like hymns. yeah, we often don't think of hymns for sign, but they certainly are there uh, at funerals that you and I have preached. Yes. Because people are sighing over the death of their loved ones. And yeah. those hymns are so powerful because they remind them of the promises that Jesus gave. So even though we weep, we do yeah. not weep as those who have no hope. Yeah, especially like Easter hymns uh, that convey the promise of the of the resurrection. I mean, that's that's really what we enjoy hearing at a, at a funeral service is is the hope of the resurrection. And Easter hymns do that so beautifully. Exactly. Okay, would you go on with stanza three, please? He shall come down like showers upon the fruitful earth, love, joy, and hope like flowers spring in his path to birth before him on the mountains shall peace the herald go and righteousness in fountains from hill to valley flow now if you're using that hymn you may want to express what the writer meant that he comes down in showers because you probably heard that uh in a day or so we're going to have one of the worst winter storms that has ever occurred. Yeah, have you at least heard this year. About that? I've heard, I've heard it's coming. Yes, starts as rain and uh, and then turns to snow and ice and yes, possibly twelve inches of snow in St. Louis. Yeah. <laughs> We're ready for it, I guess. Hope. You have not canceled any services there yet because of the weather where you're at, have you? No, no. Uh, we may have to. I don't know. I've got a Bible study Thursday morning, and uh, oh, forget I'm afraid that. we we might have to we might have to cancel that. I don't know. We'll have to see. You know, sometimes sometimes these predictions are not as bad as they sound. I know. I was listening to one weather guy, and he was going out of his mind looking at all the predictions and saying, this is going to be really terrible. Trees are going to be falling. Electricity is going to be out, all this sort of thing. Yeah. But um, fortunately, we're able to do the radio program because we don't have to be in the studio. Uh, we can do it from the home. A lot of the programs are that way. But... Uh, when we talk about Jesus as a shower, we don't mean as a storm. What do we mean? Well, uh, of course, uh, we mean that he's like, uh, well, like gentle rain. Uh, yes. It's a blessing. You know, in, in the uh, ancient Middle East, they looked upon any precipitation as a blessing. You know, rain was a blessing, you know, and uh, even the dewdrops, that was, that was desirable. We tend to think of rain as kind of, oh, that's rain on your parade, you know, or rain on your picnic. But it was always positive for them. Yes, because they were farmers. Yeah. And this is pretty good justification and sanctification. Because when he comes down like showers upon the fruitful earth, 
what's the fruit that comes about? It's love, joy, and hope, which really shows us the purpose of becoming saved is we are now enabled by the power of the Holy Spirit to properly do good works with the proper motivation. And that's really what sanctification is all about. Yeah. Love, so, joy, and hope, like flowers, spring to his path, spring in his path to, er to birth. Yes. And I, I think I can understand uh, the epistle reading for this Sunday, 1 Corinthians 14. Even if you speak in a tongue, even if you pray with your spirit, uh, even if you have all these other things but have not love, then you really are nothing. Yeah, that's actually 1 Corinthians 13, Tom. Yeah, that's right. The love chapter. Yeah, that was last week. So yeah. that's really important. It's hard to understand that you're willing to give your body to be burned for the sake of Christ, but if you have not love, you know, how can you want to do something like that if you don't love Jesus? But right. just the outward acts are not really what is really a good work. It's also the motivation. That's right. Now, righteousness is mentioned in the last part of that verse. And righteousness in fountains from hill to valley flow. He gets back to water again. Yeah, from hill to valley. Uh, I'm reminded how every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain made low. That's kind of an Advent uh, concept. But uh, righteousness in fountains from hill to valley flow. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's a plenteous, plenteous yes. uh, shower of his righteousness. Remember... When Jesus healed the man born blind, he sent him to the pool at Siloam yes. uh, to wash. Right. And uh, that was an interesting walk he had because he had mud on his eyes. And people would ask him maybe, where are, you, where are you going? What's that mud on your eyes? And said, well, this man told me to go and wash. And he did it, which is really interesting because he had not yet realized that Jesus was the Messiah. And yet when Jesus gives a command, he also gives the motivation to right. obey that command. Yeah. Yeah, a couple things about that story. The, the, the name Siloam means sent. And that's exactly what Jesus sent him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And, uh, and, and when Jesus reconnects with the the man who was born blind uh he as he 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 says uh he says uh have you do you know the messiah i think i'm i'm going this by memory right. now but and then and then the the man says to him who is he lord that i may believe in him he he trusts implicitly jesus's word yes and jesus says it is i who are speaking to you. Yes. Yes. So and he believes him. There are so many people today who don't believe that Jesus ever 
talked about being God, the Messiah, etc. And that's a great passage to show he sure did. Absolutely. Made it very okay. clear. I'll read four. Kings shall fall down before him and gold and incense bring. All nations shall adore him. His praise all people sing. To him shall prayer unceasing and daily vows ascend. His kingdom still increasing, a kingdom without end. Now, if that isn't a comforting verse for this day and age. That is right. The, the very gates of hell shall not prevail against his kingdom. Yes. The church will continue. Uh, e even though because of the virus, there aren't that many in church right now being afraid to catch the virus, but many of them still will listen over the internet. Have you done things over the internet with this congregation? Yeah, a lot more than a, a lot more than I ever did. We have our, our services out at St. Paul's out in Wildwood. They're on Zoom. The services are on Zoom. People, people tune in that way uh, over the internet. And uh, and even our Bible class is on Zoom. Wow! What do you have a camera? No, we've just got a little. It's a little iPad that sits up on a pedestal, and it does the job. People can listen in and they can watch on on the internet. Really? Yeah. Well, that that's very helpful. So they don't. The only thing is, of course, you have to be there to have the Lord's Supper. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely. You can't can't do that over Zoom, right? So who are these kings that fall down before him? Those are the wise men that came from the east. We don't know how many there were, but they brought uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and uh, exactly. they came looking for Jesus. Now, when it says all nations shall adore him, it gives the impression that everybody will adore him, but everyone will not adore him. So all nations doesn't refer to every person, but it refers to every nationality. There That's will right. be people who will be adoring him and people will be singing his praises. That's right. That's the great commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. And really that's a great theme of epiphany too, that, uh, that he came, he came for all. He actually, he actually atoned for the sins of the whole world. Uh, objective justification. He's uh, everybody. Everybody was atoned. Uh, he, In other words, their sins were forgiven and they right. are not held responsible unless they refuse to believe yeah. and prefer to be held responsible. That's right. And if they reject him, then they are not saved. Yes, that's subjective justification. Right. Okay, stanza five, please. Okay. Or every foe victorious, he on his throne shall rest. From age to age, more glorious, all blessing and all blessed. The tide of time shall never his covenant remove. His name shall stand forever. That name to us is love. So... Once more, we get back to that passage. If you're a 
clanging symbol, it really doesn't matter if you don't have love. And the, the word love there, there's different words for love in the Greek. It's but capitalized. this one would be agape. Yeah, it's, it's capitalized in the hymnal. Yes, which means what? Well, it's talking about Jesus. Yes, very good. That when you have a capitalized word, it's really another name for Jesus. And love is one. Remember, we love him because... He first loved us. Yes. It always starts with God, our whole salvation. And that's a big difference between law and gospel. Under the law, we do something to save ourselves, but that is impossible because of our fall into sin. Therefore, the gospel is that God does everything to save us. That's right. And therefore, even gives the Holy Spirit to give us faith. What's important about the faith? Well, it's uh, it's it's like the hand that merely accepts the gift. Uh, I mean, he he gives us the gift, he extends it to us, and he even gives us the hand of faith to take it. Yes. And of course, that comes that comes to us by the Holy Spirit through His means of grace, uh, the water and the word of baptism, uh, and also His gospel. Yeah, what's really good about that first line in 5, over every foe victorious, he on his throne shall rest. Now, that's interesting. How can you rest on a throne and still be victorious over every foe? Well, let's see. How's that passage go that uh, uh, God will put all things under his feet? Uh, and Under his enemies shall Jesus. his his enemies shall be his footstool, and and he yes. also says the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, which he destroyed with his right. resurrection. That's right. And so what we have here on his throne, he's resting from the work that he has done. It kind That's of right. reminds me of the creation. What did God right. do on the seventh day? He rested. And, and of course, his, his uh, redemption is like the second creation. He'll rest after that also, and so shall we. Yes. Well, thanks very much for doing this hymn. Hail to the Lord's anointed. Perhaps you'll find a time, some time to do it. I always like talking a little bit about the hymns in the sermon. But on tomorrow's Long Gospel, we're going to return to Solomon's book once more in looking at what wisdom is. Till then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.